Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful.com. It is December 2nd, WWE Monday Night Raw Review. We got plenty of stuff over at Fightful.com over the past week, which I've kind of missed. Wednesday Night War podcast, post-Smackdown show. But I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina for WrestleCade this past weekend, along with lead wrestling writer Jeremy Lambert. And we have a ton of great content coming uh, to you from that. Check out FightfulSelect.com. It's the most direct way to support us. We got some scoops going up there almost every single day. But I also reviewed WrestleCade and Starcade. So check that out. But let's get down to Monday Night Raw. And we are joined by the one, the only, Denise Salcedo. Denise, how are you? Glad to be back another week. And WrestleCade sounds like a lot of fun. It was. I've never been. The trip back wasn't fun, but the event is is very awesome. There's a lot of great wrestling there, a lot of good names there. It's a it's a very good time. Uh, it's also a good time when you guys send in your questions. You uh, can send a super chat, any amount, get your question or statement read on the air live here at youtube.com slash Fightful. But if you want to ask as many questions as you want, all you got to do is subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. I have a Q&A show going up this week. The Q&A form is up. So uh, go head over there, subscribe. But if not, we'll read your super chats here. The first one is Young Bibby saying, Do you have any idea when Liv Morgan is coming back? I have not a clue. All I know, uh, Denise, I may have mentioned this to you a few months ago, but she had been taken off TV after her, her match, I think, with Charlotte, where she said she was going to get real. And then maybe a, a, a month or two later, she was about to wrestle Ember Moon in a dark match. And somebody was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not supposed to be out there until you're repackaged. And she hasn't wrestled at all. They sent heavy machinery out in, like, basketball shorts and sneakers to wrestle I- instead of her. So I, no word on when she's me, coming back. It's really making me more curiouser and curiouser to see, like, what this new repackaged look is going to be like. like what are we going to be seeing differently? Like, the hair, the makeup, the clothes. What exactly is going to happen? What's the story and why the whole doubt? You know, it's been, I don't know, how many months now? So I'm kind of, but it's keeping me excited to see what their new ideas for her are. And Young Bibby mentioned it was also weird to see Tony Nese on Raw. Is he being promoted? I just think they're just using him wherever they can they can fit him in, and I think that just was a spot that they needed him in, so uh, they they added him to Raw. Nick Wolf says Sandman would not approve of this podcast. I, well, you should specify that the issues that Sandman had were because he didn't think the crowd would accept women's wrestling as a main event, and he got shot on hard by uh, Tessa Blanchard. Perhaps appropriately so, but 
Uh, I completely missed that. Yeah, he apparently told the women who were main eventing a WrestleCade show, like, oh, the crowd wouldn't accept this, but I don't know how else to put this. I'll do respect to him, but who gives a shit what Sandman's old ass thinks? Who cares? <laughs> who gives a shit? I think, I think maybe Brett Lauderdale of GCW said it best. He's usually drunk. He's perpetually fried. Who gives a shit? I know I don't. But I give a shit what you guys have to say, so thank you for sending in the super chats. Monday Night Raw, uh, Denise, I, I, hmm. I think it was a hard show to get through, to be honest. I had a hard time. I thought the first hour was fine. The mm -hmm. next hour and 40 minutes was probably a drag to watch, I think. Just because there was a lot of stuff that was kind of like, well, I don't really care about that. But everything else was okay. I liked the ending. And again, the first hour of Raw. Like, there wasn't anything that was terrible on this show to me. Like, I didn't look at anything and go, man, that was terrible. But there was a whole lot that I point pointed to and said, that was pointless. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, there was nothing that had you say, like, oh, I really care yeah. about this right now. Like, there was some things where I was like, okay, I know why I'm watching this and that that's it. So this, I think, would have, while while it's a completely forgettable three-hour Raw, I think this would have been a good two-hour Raw. I think I would have walked away from this and went, all right. But I, I didn't need that six-man tag at the end. I didn't need it. I've seen every iteration of that. I've seen every pointless version of that. When Raw first moved to three hours after Raw 1000, uh, I was like, okay, cool, longer matches. They're getting some better workers, whatever. And I can't remember when exactly Raw 1000 was. I think it was in 2012, but pretty shortly after that, The Shield showed up. So you had these three fresh guys who were new to every single person on the roster, and they were able to go out and have 25, 30-minute matches that were fresh, they were new acts, and it was different. I'm sorry, but Humberto Carrillo isn't doing it for me. There's he not, still hasn't gotten there for you. No, there's not a one thing I got to see from him because after two weeks, I've seen everything he has to offer. I will say, I liked the opening segment. I dug that. Well, I, well, with the opening segment, I just, I could not believe just like how the crowd was just like hating it, like completely hating it. And I just, I, the one thing I wrote down in my notes was the crowd is not having it at all. And, but I did think that it worked in that sense, you know, where people are just not getting behind Seth Rollins, but at the same time, like, I don't know, it's making it really easy to cheer for Kevin Owens. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, the Kevin Owens thing, I, I love that he didn't fall for the trope. Now, uh, what is it that we're talking about? AOP are shown backstage. They speak in Albanian to Charlie Caruso, who was working her ass off tonight, by the way. Uh, she says that she needs a translation and I think they called her beautiful or something. Uh, but Seth Rollins comes out and apologizes for the things that he said last week, said he was trying to fire up the raw roster, but Kevin Owens isn't buying it. Uses a Megan Trainer line on him. Uh, I don't know exactly how I feel about that, but he also drops bullshit live on the air. And it was really drawn out. He, he worked it up and then did it, and I was like, okay, whatever. But he doesn't believe that Rollins is sorry or that Rollins doesn't know about AOP's involvement in things. Do you think he does? 
Well, yeah. And the fact that he didn't address them, like if you put yourself in that situation and let's say uh, somebody attacks your opponent, but they didn't attack you and you know you have absolutely nothing to do with it. I'm going to be like, what? Well, why did you guys do it? You know, so I would ask questions like being in that position but he didn't ask questions as to why the aop did this and then afterwards when he walked out they just made a nice clear path for him and he just walked out so i almost feel like he's playing like uh i almost feel like this is gonna turn into like a mind game sort of thing where it's like oh yeah yeah, yeah. um you know where in reality he was you know part of the aop or this was a plan that was worked all along but he was trying to pass it like it wasn't and he's still the good guy and he has everyone's best interest in mind so AOP come out and challenged Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins to a match. Rollins is all about it, but Owens isn't falling for it. And I like that he didn't fall for it, uh, at least uh, per his suspicions. Because for all we know, this is all a ploy by Kevin Owens or, or Samoa Joe or somebody else. But Rollins leaves and AOP allows it. Owens wants to fight AOP, but then they leave. Do you think that this is going to go the direction they're teasing? Because I kind of hope it does. I don't think predictable is bad if it's a good thing. If it's if it's the end game is good. I prefer predictable as in them joining up together than but having it like in a good way, like you said, than just have it be something totally messed up where you don't even understand what's happening anymore. You know, that kind of storyline. So I like where this is going so far, especially because if people keep pushing Seth Rollins over the limit and over the limit, eventually he's gonna crack and say, Hey guys, I joined up with the AOP who are these bad guys and are the only people that are, you know, doing something or whatever the storyline may be from that. But I think that they should keep it going. But um, I think we're going to need some answers pretty soon, though. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm okay with this because AOP, I think, are are wonderful characters to utilize on this show. They're, they're really menacing and big, and, and they're legit badasses, too. I dig that. I, I enjoyed the opening segment. I like the question marks around that. It is... It's, you know, the Roman Reigns thing where he got attacked was a whodunit and you, you didn't quite have answers, but it sucked. It sucked almost every turn and it didn't make any sense. This so far has made sense along the way. And I gotta say, with the exception of a couple things on this episode of Raw, almost everything made sense from a logistical standpoint. There were a couple things, but that, that's why I think I didn't completely hate this pointless episode of Raw is because there wasn't a whole lot that just stood out to me like, that doesn't make sense, that's dumb, do away with it. And that's my baseline for pro wrestling. Uh, I'll tell you what didn't make sense. Them running back Lashley and Kevin Owens. Last night we got a non-finish at Starcade. Tonight we got the same thing. What did you think of the back and forth between Lana and Kevin Owens? <laughs> you know what? I actually thought that was funny. And as I was thinking, like, oh, they're fighting like brother and sister, Jerry Lawler pulls up the line with, oh, um, it's like Thanksgiving all over again. And I was like, what? You read my mind. All right, great. So I actually like that because I thought their personality sort of meshed in this funny way where, you know, Lana's this obnoxious female, which is what they're trying to get across, you know, with the storyline that she knows she's awful and this and that. And Kevin Owens was just, like, not having it anymore and was kind of the voice of the fans with, like, 
like just shut up you're obnoxious and you talk and you talk but you don't really say anything and so I thought that worked out pretty nicely because at first I was like oh no they're gonna incorporate this all over again on Raw tonight this is not gonna end well but you know what I ended up actually enjoying that little back and forth between them I thought Eric Bischoff brought up a really good point on his podcast recently. All of the promos being in the King's English is just, it's so monotonous and so tedious. It's like the same thing over and over and over again. There aren't a lot of people with any individuality, and at least Kevin Owens' tone provided some individuality. His reaction to this was like my reaction watching a lot of this storyline unfold. I'm like, oh, God, you're saying all this stuff without really saying anything. But that's a lot of stuff. That's every Bray Wyatt promo for several years uh, up until Firefly Funhouse. That's Aleister Black every single week taking two or three minutes to tell us that he wants to fight somebody. Like, less is more sometimes. And uh, I thought that Kevin Owens maximized his responses. And I thought him and Lana seemed a little less scripted, and, and I liked that. But this match was an Owens splash. Lashley hitting his old uh, Yokosuka cutter finisher. Owens doing a pop-up powerbomb and AOP come out and attack. Now, Yeah, for what it's worth, like this match like wasn't bad. Like take yeah. away like all the past storylines and all the things that we know why it's gotten to this point and everything that's been going on with Bobby Lashley and Lana. Like this match itself was not bad. It was fine and I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I just knew it wasn't going to have a finish. I knew it wasn't going to have a finish. Lashley says that he has no idea what's going on with AOP, and hey, I believe that, but I like that they're trying to integrate those question marks into Bobby Lashley, too, because they helped out him. So he's like, hey, listen, I don't know any more than Rollins knows, any more than Owens knows, but he's just glad that Lana is safe. Lana's sick of all the booing, and I don't know if this is her line, but whether it was her line or anybody else's. She said she had to hire detectives to protect her. I'm now I've never had to hire a detective before, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it definitely doesn't work like that. I watched enough Pretty Little Liars to know it doesn't work <laughs> that way. <laughs> then you know all about long, drawn out, pointless storylines if you yes. watched Pretty Little Liars. Uh for sure. Rusev's kind of stalking Lana at this point. And he's over. But man, homeboy's a creep. He's a creep. He shows up and he like dances and kicks Bobby Lashley in the face. But he's super over. Big time over right now. So despite what I think of the storyline, the man is getting big reactions and big chants, Denise. But he's always been that way, though. Like, whatever, with anything that he's done. I mean, look how over he got Rusev Day. You know, with everything that Rusev has done, it's worked, you know? And, yeah, like, this is an odd storyline, which, like, even though some people, like, you know, some people like it, some people don't like it, the majority don't like it, but it's still odd enough to get your, you know, to make you pay attention because you know something something weird is going to happen and we all want to talk about weird. Like, I've been thinking about the storyline and I've been trying to put my in the head like the mind of the you know the people putting this together and I started thinking like what gets people talking on social media like with anything any topic weird stuff 
bad stuff or like whenever someone says something really dumb that you know they invite cancel culture into it so mm -hmm. i thought to myself okay well then this is probably the reason why they're doing the storyline just so that there could be something that people are talking about that it doesn't matter if they're hating on it because at least they're talking about it but going back to rusev everything he does gets has been got getting good reception from what i remember and that's a good point like i've watched some pretty solid matches that I didn't really comment on because I'm like, okay, it doesn't really stand out from everything else. But this Lana, Lashley, Rusev stuff, for better or for worse, does get people talking. Um, so, <laughs> the detective notes that he's a WWE fan and then says, we do things a little bit differently here and arrests Lashley. But for what, Denise? I don't know. Honestly, I just thought it was kind of like silly. I was like, okay, this is this is just this is just too silly with for me. But I did like when they did arrest Lana because you can tell that she was having like it was just funny seeing her walk in the heels while getting arrested. She was like teetering, tottering. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. And it added to her character where she's like, you know, this, you know, ditzy blonde girl. Not ditzy blonde girl, but she's this blonde girl that's pretty much just dramatic and causing all of this drama, you know? So if – I don't know if they've got like a follow-up for this. If the follow-up is that Lashley was wrongfully arrested, then okay, good. That makes sense. Uh, if they don't follow this up – he really needed to like shove or nudge the, the police officer or something to do that because right now I'm seeing Rusev getting Rusev stalking his wife and her new boyfriend and I'm seeing Lashley being wrongfully arrested. Lashley or Lana slapped the detective that she hired apparently and is arrested and that was fine and she said she was going to sue everyone. I thought that her little her hissy fit was great. I thought that she played that off well. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad about this, but there's so much good and so much bad that I can't really decipher one from another at this point, Denise. It's just you – it's there's things where you know your intellectual self knows it's bad, yeah. but yourself that likes to see a car wreck is the side that is, you know, you know, eyeing this and, you know, following the story along and whatnot. Yeah, deep down, I wish this was like The Sinner or Fargo or something like that. <laughs> but it ain't. Bill Pullman is not going to show up. Like, it's it's not going to be like that. Um, it's Rusev, Lana, and Lashley. It for sure is is not. Uh, but you will say this. It's been a roller coaster since yeah, that happened. Sure I still has. remember when they came out and they did that, you know, that fish kiss. And they were like... You know, it just came out of nowhere, out of the blue. And I think about where we've been from there to now. It's been a roller coaster. Think, think about that. Like, a couple weeks before that, none of these people were on TV at all. They were all gone. Man. Joseph Farley says, I feel bad about having a Sandman koozie now. Go Wildcats, I guess. This is for the swear jar. Poo-poo pee-pee. I watch Disney Plus over Raw. Uh, I haven't gotten Disney Plus yet, but I'm gonna very soon. Zach Connor. Yeah, I, I, I need to. Zach Connor says, maybe AJ versus Orton versus Drew at TLC for a shot at Brock. I like that idea, Denise. That would be new and refreshing. And it kind of, well, I'll, I'll say, I'll say my thoughts for that later. Sure. Yeah. I, I really dig that idea. Korosami 1997 says, any reason why Becky hasn't been on TV? None that I've heard. It's just the typical WWE thing. And the same type of reason, I assume, 
why AOP weren't on the show for a long time. They didn't want them to lose to people, but they apparently didn't have enough confidence in their creative to put her into something that wouldn't bury her on TV. I don't know. Have her beat Sarah Logan in a minute. Have her beat an enhancement talent in a minute. They did that with a bunch of other people. Not that's what ha- I say. I feel like that's why we've been having so many random matches because they're trying to save who gets beat, who doesn't get beat. So let's throw this random guy in because he could definitely get beat. Yeah, for sure. Anakin JMT says, just popping in to tell SRS I got my paper mask of you. My seven-year-old thought it was Jason Creepy, but he still wanted to wear it. Best $10 ever spent. Uh, those were not my idea. I do not want, know why my face is marketed so much by Jimmy Van, but... There you go. That's hilarious. I want to get myself one too. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna come into Raw next week. I'm gonna have the mask, and you're gonna you're gonna have the podcast with yourself. <laughs> My God. So Rollins leaves the show at nine thirty, like the leader of the brand that he is. I dug that he got passive. Ag- he didn't get passive aggressive. He got aggressive towards Charlie Caruso about this. He was like, "I can never win. I can never do anything right." And if you were to look at him on social media and some of his behavior and promos, you would believe that he's like that. He tries really hard, both legitimately and in character, to be the guy of Raw. But a lot of people just don't want that. A lot of people are pushing back, getting a lot of 96 Shawn Michaels vibes here, where by the time Sid is busting a camera over the back of Jose Lothario, the crowd's super happy about it. I'm seeing a lot of that out of Rollins. People are ready to see him get his ass kicked, something proper, and he's starting to understand it, Denise. I think it's hilarious that you are like, oh, I'm getting Shawn Michaels vibes. And when he was saying like, oh, it wasn't my fault, I was like, who is he, Gene Snitsky? (laughs) It wasn't my fault. That's what popped into my head. But that, no, yeah, that was actually pretty aggressive. He was getting aggressive with that pro, but I, I did like that we sort of sensed the same from Charlie, where she was like, well, I'm the reporter here, and I'm going to ask you these questions. And yes. I sensed that tone with her when she was asking him. So I thought they had a good a good moment there. It was like that, really, all night on Raw with Charlie Caruso. She was chasing the story tonight, and I appreciate that. I like that. I, I don't like watching the backstage interviewers always getting buried. I let they're back there trying to find out information. Let them in character try to find out some information. I thought they handled Charlie Caruso fantastically, but not quite as fantastically as this Drew McIntyre segment. I loved this, Denise. This was about as good a three minute, two minute match as you'll see. I thought it helped Drew McIntyre. I know a lot of people didn't like Tazawa getting buried, but this wasn't about Tazawa. It was about Drew McIntyre, and Tozawa has been all over WWE TV of late. NXT, uh, Survivor Series, uh, Raw, I, I, he's been getting used, he's very good, but uh, he doesn't have to get his ass beat by Drew McIntyre because he beats his own ass on that dive when he ate the floor, but... We see the Bama Slamma on the floor. Uh, Drew throws Tazawa across the ring, and the crowd reacted to that. They were like, damn, that was cool. Then that badass Claymore hits. This was awesome. I love this, Denise. I love this, too. So, um, okay, so let me start at the part where I thought this match was super entertaining because I love that, you know, 
okay, so Drew McIntyre, he did his part in terms of like, oh, I'm mocking this smaller guy who's who's really this nobody and let me get down to my knees so that I could be at your size and yes, walk away. And, and you know, Akira Tozawa did his part too where, you know, obviously, again, this isn't like a, you know, and we all know that the focus wasn't on him and we all know the reason why he was there. So I don't think that people should necessarily get mad just because we we, we all just know and just at this point have to accept that. Um, so anyway, so he comes in and I feel he did his part good. Everything that every point of offense that he got was perfectly fine. You know, he did, you know, add, you know. You know, his he showcases athleticism is what I'm trying to get at, while also, you know, not ba- not outshining Drew McIntyre, but Drew McIntyre still getting the best of him. So I love that. And, oh, my God, when he did the Claymore kick on him, I was like, I went back because because he just, I don't even know what happened to his body. His awesome. body just, <laughs> just left the mat. I didn't even see it. It was like a firework. So I thought this was all really, really good. Um, and when Drew McIntyre did the, cut the promo and he was calling out Randy Orton, uh, I was watching on my computer on a stream and it cut to commercial break, which I don't know if that happens yeah, to everybody. Okay, it, it did. did. All right, perfect, because that was awful. That's the only thing I didn't like about this. Yeah, that was weird. And the match was great. Got the job done in three minutes, but if you don't want to get the job done in three minutes, check out BlueChew.com, code Fightful. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but they work a lot better. They're a lot cheaper. They're a lot faster. Why are they better? Because they're chewable, gets into your system faster. You can take it on an empty stomach, full stomach, doesn't matter. It's ready when you are because, you know, it can be a little bit unpredictable. Maybe you're on the road. Maybe you're, maybe you're just walking, and all of a sudden, here's an opportunity. All right, then. There you go. Take your blue chew. You're good to go. Uh, you do need a prescription, but it's prescribed online, and it ships straight to your door. So you don't have to schedule something at the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. Not everybody's going to be asking what's up with your penis, man. BlueChew.com, code Fightful, gets it for free. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping and avoid the question, what's up with your penis, man? Well, until you use BlueChew, then somebody's going to go, what's up with your penis, man? They're going to be very happy. BlueChew.com, code Fightful. Drew McIntyre calls out Randy Orton, gets that cheap Nashville pop. Not a not a Blue Chew reference, although you can get a pop in Nashville on the cheap when you use BlueChew.com code Fightful. He says he's tired of people complaining on social media. He's going right to Randy Orton because he's got a problem with him. And Drew gets Randy out and basically it, like puts him out to pasture verbally. He says the RKO is out, Claymore is in. I thought this this made a lot of sense. It was it was good. It it was it was solid. I love the part that he added the fact that he compared past and present Randy Orton because we all remember the legend killer where you know Randy Orton was doing all these things ev- on every week where you question his morality and you know I remember that like getting over so strongly and you know so for him to kind of bring that up and kind of say like essentially that he's softened or isn't what did he say the ferocious man anymore um, I did like all of that uh, that he incorporated into this promo and I thought it was awesome 
honestly, I thought it was really good. Towards the end, it did get a little drawn out, and, you know, so much more happened afterwards. But there was that solid couple of minutes where I really liked that back and forth. I did, too. Uh, the OC then come out. Styles is still flabbergasted. I want to say my favorite part of that Orton-Drew interaction, Denise, was <laughs> Drew McIntyre making fun of the Nashville accent, and then Joe goes, that's how they talk. <laughs> when I went to Nashville, that was one of the things yeah. that stood out to me, and I was like, man, I didn't realize that it was a thing. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah, big time. Here, too, I've tried to get rid of mine a little bit, but it still pokes through uh, quite I a bit. I don't hear it. I don't hear it that much, to be honest. I've heard, like, accents that are just where you're like, wait, what are you saying? Like, I need to rehear this. There are some videos of me online, like, eight years ago when I first started to do video, and my accent was really pronounced, but I worked on it. I did some, like, speech therapy, and I, I talk slow now, but I talked really slow back then. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it takes a little bit to, okay. to kind of get rid I of I gotta it. find those videos. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so Drew hits the bricks. He's like, this is not a me problem anymore. But to me, when I was looking at that, I was like, it seems like a ricochet problem. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Album since Orton saves him all the time. It was. But the thing is, Orton's in there and he's like, oh, what am I going to do? These three guys. There was an entire side of the ring not blocked off, Denise. Run the other way. But that wouldn't be something he would do, though. It wouldn't be Randy Orton like to do that. Yeah, sure. Ricochet and Carrillo make the save. Mysterio is next. Sure, man. Orton tells them he didn't need their help. Alistair Black versus Tony Nese. This was another good short match. There's a nice exchange. We see Alistair striking. Nice does the old Randy Savage uh, snap across the top rope, which I loved. Uh, there was a spot where where Alistair Black tried to get his knees up but couldn't in time, and it looked like Nice just moonsaulted his leg. I didn't like that, but Joe covered for it. Black Mass got the win. This was good and short, but... These short matches make me realize how good Raw would be at two hours because stuff like this helps me care about people. But when it's three hours long, I'm like, all right, on to the next one. Yeah, I just honestly for this one, I just wrote nothing of no. I just I just felt the match was just there. I really had no reason to care. Um, I just feel like I just what I feel like I need a lot more from Tony Nese. 
to really get invested. And um, I just kind of felt like, oh, and I'm just so I'm over the whole <laughs> I really am over the whole uh, door thing that he knocked on his door. He knocked on his door. I was like, no more on that door. Uh, <laughs> but we did hear more about that today. Um, but other than that, like this was just really just there for me. I think this this match and the next one were one of those things where I was like, OK, I, I could have done without for the show. Yeah, Buddy Murphy says he doesn't regret knocking on Black's door. He wants to expose Black as a fraud and tells him to calm down. Ah, do, is he being too loud, Denise? Which would you say that? Is, is, <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Was that were you were you were, were you throwing a Taylor Swift reference? Yeah, at me? I was. Okay, because I was like, okay, I I feel like you're going there, but I wasn't too sure. I did. I did. You need to calm down. <laughs> yes. I actually had a, a Taylor Swift-based conversation with Jeremy this weekend because I am perplexed. Now, this is going to lose a bunch of viewers, but I don't care. I want to know if when she re-records her songs, if she's going to bring back the accent for some of them. You know, when you said earlier that your accent has gotten better, I was going to tell you, do what Taylor Swift did. Just make her accent disappear like this because she went, she, when, once 1989 came out, that accent was gone, long gone. Yeah. So, like, I wonder if she's going to bring it back for that because a lot of times when you re-record, you try to make it as close to the original as possible. But let's be realistic. Like, as soon as those songs release, like, the entire top 40 is going to be her re-release songs because of her crazy fan base, Denise. Oh, my God. We're, we're here to talk <laughs> about wrestling. Anyway, anyway, Andrade defeated Eric Young. Uh, I like seeing Eric Young on the show. I've always liked Eric Young. He's awesome. He hit a big flying elbow drop, got cracked with Andrade's elbow. He has a few hope spots, but then Andrade beats him. Sure. This was just, it wasn't bad, it wasn't good, it was just there. Yeah. By the way, guys, donate a Super Chat. Any amount, get your question or statement read on the air. Subscribe to FightfulSelect.com, and you get to ask as many questions as you want for my Q&A this week. It's fun. Also, you get Alex Palowski's Sour Graps Reviews, uh, one of our more popular shows on Fightful Select. A completely negative review of Raw and SmackDown, two shows every week. You get dozens of shows a week. We just dropped that retro review for In Your House, Bad Blood, 1997. Uh, you got the Kane debut, the Hell in a Cell debut. Uh, un unfortunately, we talked Brian Pillman's passing. We talked the Patriots WWF run. Lots of cool stuff there. Dozens of those retros re retro reviews there. <sighs> Our truth runs through with the title and hides by some NASCAR guys. Michael Waltrip reveals a ref shirt, and Kyle Busch becomes 24-7 champion. Our truth has won this back. I'm ready to see something different with this title. I'm so over this, Denise. I do not want to see this anymore. This segment was, like, super geeky, but, like, cute at the same time because you know that they had a really good time, you know, doing this. But it was so nerdy, like, so nerdy. The moment just came across as very, like, okay, clearly they have to go ahead and, you know, turn on him and, you know, essentially get the bell off of him. And then the celebration was really funny. Um, it was what it was. So, like, 
if it ain't Hermie Sadler, I don't care. And only people that watch TNA like 15 years ago will understand that. But Hermie Sadler used to promote like indie events and TNA would co-promote. But he had a segment where he like ripped his shirt off and he wasn't in like great shape. But the announcers were trying to play it up. And I remember Don West going, wow, he works out. And I was like, oh, he's about to get his ass whipped. But That sounds like something Don West would say. Yeah, I love Don West, though. I loved his commentary. His enthusiasm. Another squash match. Another Eric Rowan bag promo, Denise. Yeah, that was just there. I took the liberty of trying to guess what is inside his cage sack. I don't, I don't know what it is. but uh, And the people were having fun with that on Twitter today. I put that it was going to be those little robot dogs, you know, those ones. Because I remember when you said, like, oh, maybe something with a camera. I was like, what about a little robot dog with a camera? I don't know. If you want people to have fun with your sack, check out BlueChew.com. Code Fightful. And what's in your sack, at least for now. Conga line tries to look into the bag, then they die. No way Jose comes to help. Gets beaten up. Two iron claw slams do the job. He will not tell Sarah Schreiber what's in the bag, but the, possibly the most surprising thing about this is Charlie Caruso got a breather here. She was running everywhere, and Sarah stepped up and, and did some work. Yeah. That's really, that's it's really all there I, is here. I do like to see like how, like, because I feel like some shows it's very, like some shows they do like half and half, where yeah. it, you can tell it's like, you know, shared, and then other shows it's like, one person so yeah so i definitely think that was a good breather for her i could only imagine like all the stress kabuki warriors defeated charlotte flair in a handicap match charlotte had uh, challenged the kabuki warriors to this match oscar and Kyrie have new music what do you think of it um i thought it meshed well i didn't mind it but i did notice it right away that it was very um i don't know the generic yeah, I guess you can say so. Generic to like, you know, very typical to like how the person looks is the music that they match it up to. That's 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 how I felt about it. So I, I liked it a lot better than their mashup theme because those are lazy. But there's been a lot of talk lately, and I haven't found out any information about CFOs leaving WWE. I reached out to him for an interview. I, I've tried to find out what I could, but it, just haven't found out anything. And a lot of the themes, the new themes, are so uninspired and generic and lazy. And there were a lot of the CFO's songs that I didn't like. But when you got one group producing so much music, they're not all going to be winners. Like, I remember for a while you had, like, minute-long loops of every – like, Dean Ambrose's theme was a loop every minute. And I was like, eh, okay. I didn't like Seth Rollins' theme. I still don't like Seth Rollins' theme. But – I actually they, like the Kabuki Warriors mesh uh, mashup theme. Better. Really? Yeah, I don't. I liked it a million. You're times the one. More than what they have now, I liked it. I remember you said you didn't like it. I was just stood quiet. I was like, I like it. <laughs> no, make sure you tell me this stuff. <laughs> that way we can <laughs> argue on the air. I had somebody yeah. say that we don't argue enough on the air. How dare you like that garbage? Well, that is because I am afraid of confrontation, you but no. I liked that song. You know which song I don't like and it bothers me to no end is AJ Styles' song when he comes out on his own. I can't stand that song. 
It drives me nuts Excuse every time I hear it. Excuse me, I've been mad about this song since he came to the company. I've been mad. I can't let the song go. It's the DMX No No Sunshine knockoff. It doesn't, it doesn't match his personality. He's a country boy his, with that it, farmer strength. It doesn't match his personality. It drives me nuts. Oh my this god! This is a good argument. I'm like well, they were arguing about theme songs, but I I just had to say it. Like I think it's like uh, his songs that he had in, in TNA were awesome, and I was like, man, I like I'm really upset that I can't hear those anymore. Dale Oliver did those, and uh, it was a very it seemed like a very Tool inspired song that he had in TNA and I loved that song but I like I like the, the oh okay let, let's hit me I mean this is gonna be a fairly short review hit me with some more that you don't like oh snap I'm thinking I um I don't like I'm trying to think of a few more there's actually I actually don't like the Seth Rollins one either yeah it sucks it's garbage yeah no, I just don't like the hearing that constantly yeah. over and over again. Um, I'm trying to think. I think everything else is fine. It's really just there. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know I what? Think, I think I'll think of it when I hear them, when I Call- rehear them and re-listen to it. I'm going to make a list now every time I hear a song. Do I like it? Do I not? We'll talk through some some of these because I'm probably going to isolate this clip because it's the only talking point worth isolating on this entire show. Call me biased, but I like Matt Riddles because it's a play off of him using the Nate Dogg, Warren G. Regulator song, and I think it fits him very, very well. Um, I think Dreams is, has a really good one. Oh, Velveteen. Velveteen's I is amazing. Love that one. Amazing. I dig Samoa Joe's, always have. Uh, Jimmy hates Rusev's. He thinks it doesn't fit Rusev anymore as a baby face. What do you think? I don't think I've paid enough attention to that song. I feel like it's really just there. I have. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I don't bob my head along to it or anything. I like the songs that I want to download afterwards on my Spotify yeah. playlist and listen to them on a regular basis. And it doesn't just sound like a regular entrance song. I need something with words. What do you think of both Shayna Baszler and Undisputed Eras, which both sound like they were created like five minutes away from each other? Well, again, like just it's really just there for Shayna's. I think it's just like generic, but uh-huh. I think it kind of goes. Not that she's generic, but it goes with her though. I think yeah. that one does go with her. Undisputed era. Um, I mean, they can always get something a little edgier. I think. I think Alexa Bliss has a good one. Oh, I, I love hers. I think I hers... love Sasha Banks too. Hers is good. Oh yeah, the new one's very good too. Um, Bailey's. I've got to hear it a little bit more, but it, it's another one that's very generic. It's one of the brand new ones. And is very, very generic. Well, I'm also trying to figure out when they stopped adding all this extra stuff to the Titantrons. Because I remember, like, when I would go to the shows and I would be able to see the, the Titantron completely, there would be all these, like, graphics and images and B-roll. And now you go and it's just the name flashing, like, ten times, you know. So I want to know when that change happened. Because I, I don't think I realized when it happened. Joseph Farley says, Baron Corbin's when he's not the king is a goddamn bop. It's pretty good. It's solid. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it at all. What's your all-time favorite? Your all-time favorite. Ooh, all-time favorite. That one's tough. That one's tough. Minus Triple H and, believe it or not, the great Kali. Oh, my God. 
and Christian's old theme too. Don't ask questions. Which on the which great one? Life. Which one? He had um, three. The one, oh god, the the more like rock and roll one. That one was really like, uh, uh, just close your you eyes. Close your eyes. Thank now, you. you. Close your eyes. That okay. one. Yeah. That now one. here's the Love thing. There were two versions of that. There was waterproof blonde with the female singer. Then there was the story of the okay. year version. Not the female singer one. The okay. one with just the guys. Yeah. Yes, because story of the year did the version when he came back uh, from the TNA run. So uh, yeah, I, I thought I actually preferred the waterproof blonde version, uh, but yeah, the. the Latter one is is more remembered. Uh, I like the Iconics theme. That I think good. it's a good one. Now, I remember before Billy Kay joined the Iconics, she had like a version that became really popular on uh, Vine or TikTok or something like that. It, it was really? like the old Carmen hip-hop song. It was like an old classical song with with a beat over top of it that was very good. She was like playing this... This masquerade character that didn't work out at all. But yeah, um, I, I've always hated the big shows. I think it oh, sucks. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, Hannah Moore says, I'm just a sexy boy. I'll never not sing that. And her favorite ever is Edges. I got Vince Russo to sing Shawn Michaels' theme song on the air one day. It's on our channel. Oh, wow. Yeah. That must have been fun. And on our mixtape. Me and Jimmy had to sing Ass Man as a Patreon goal. Or what do I, you look so good to me. That was in the running. <laughs> that was in the running. <laughs> That's um, a good one. Edge Alter Bridge was a good one. Uh, I liked Kane's version that was by uh, Finger Eleven. I really liked uh, that. Slow Chemical? Yes. That I was actually that on the Punisher soundtrack too, which was a good soundtrack. But I, I think maybe my favorite ever was probably the one that DX used for like a couple weeks with Run DMC. I loved that song because I was a big Run DMC fan. Carlos V pointing out Gangrel's theme. This went from us just talking about CFOs to us talking about themes from 20 years ago. Uh, maybe me and Denise will do a podcast one yes, day. Yes, please, because I had all the CDs, okay? I did so, too. Forcible entry was my there jam. By the way super questionable name looking back on that like oh dear lord probably, but, i didn't think about that but a badass cd that was a very good album uh one day that one. one day myself and denise and maybe, maybe maybe we'll get like a third voice on here as well uh we'll do a full music podcast how about that one uh, i agree so we do have raw to continue to talk about <laughs> But I had to do something. This review was going to be 32 minutes long. Uh, Charlotte and uh, the Kabuki Warriors. I wouldn't call this like a pretty stylistic, like fluid match, but it felt like a really good fight. Like Charlotte was fighting for her life here. Um, there were quadruple knees on a moonsault attempt. Uh, Vic bringing up Charlotte breaking Asuka's streak was great. I like that because why wouldn't Asuka still be mad about that? Charlotte has started to use more of a Walls of Jericho instead of a uh, traditional Boston Crab. More of a, a lion uh, tamer move. But Asuka kicks her in the head. We get a sit-down powerbomb out of an arm bar. And Kyrie Sane picks up the win when Charlotte has uh, Asuka in a figure four, figure eight. And then Kyrie hits that insane elbow. I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought they did a lot of really good stuff in this match. They did a lot, period, in this match. I think one of the things I noticed, though, is that I really 
thought that Kyrie and Asuka, uh, you they could really tell that they work well as a team, and this was one of the matches that really highlighted that, I think, in terms of they're really knowing what they're doing in terms of being the heels for this, and I thought they did everything in this match that they could that just came across really well and in line with their characters. Uh, Charlotte, I like the idea that this was a handicap match. I feel like we haven't really seen very many women's handicap matches in a while. I don't know what the stats are on that, but I just feel like it's been a moment. Um, so I really enjoyed everything that they did here and um, that it was good. That it was yeah, really good. I did too. We got a super chat from Ron Taro 13. He says, how would one work at Fightful? Uh, my DMs are open, but my email is in my bio. You can send samples and that that uh, that sort of thing right now. It's best to be able to do a little bit of everything. Uh, not hiring per se right now. Uh, I would never ask somebody to work for free, but hey, if you got something you want us to run, we'll probably run it. But uh, we are considering adding some interns here and there. But right now, we've kind of got our staff where we want it. But that that changes from a month to month experience or a month to month. Period. So you never quite know in that regard. Uh, by the way, somebody brings up John Cena's music. If you all haven't heard Untouchables, that was a song that he, he did. I can't remember if it was on an album or his album, but that's what I always thought would be his heel theme if he did it. And it, it was a pretty good song in general. Uh, Viking. See, Ra- I'm telling you, everybody wants in on this conversation. Yeah, we're gonna, we're doing this one day and it's gonna be a live stream so people can chime in. <laughs> Viking Raiders crush some jobbers. You know the drill. That's what they do. There's a cool double knee to the chest spot, Denise. But the Viking experience win it, and then that's it. Yep, they're still doing the same thing, though, that they've been doing every week. I thought, I honestly thought they were going to go a different direction with AOP in terms of I thought we were going to see them, you know, sort of in the twine together. Um, obviously, that's not the case. That would have been maybe too predictable or whatever you want to call that. But I just feel like, I think we need something for them to – I'm tired of these weekly just, like, beating up some random guys that I really don't care about. You I'd know? rather them bring in, like, the headbangers for one night and have them beat them or just have them beat somebody who people know or just anything. Well, I wanted, no. I wanted Humberto to beat up Ricochet with, like, a lead pipe or something. Like, I did not need another meaningless six or eight-man tag. And that's what we got. The, the work was fine. The work was good. But I see everything that WWE lets these guys do in like two weeks. And when there's six dives in one match, and it's the same dives I've seen every week for a freaking year, I don't need to see it anymore. Uh, did you find anything special about this? Well, first, I want to say I wanted to know what your thoughts were on the promo that they did backstage. Because I don't know. I don't know what that I don't know. I, I wasn't was too dorky. crazy about I didn't wasn't too I just feel like Ricochet came across like super I don't know airy or something. Um, I think that needs a little bit of work. Uh, Umberto wasn't as bad as the past ones that he has done, so I think I've seen some improvement there. Yeah. Uh, Ray was fine, um, so that was just a little bit weird. But the match itself, though, I thought the match was really good. I thought it was fun. I thought they all did you know something different. Uh, I thought that AJ deserved to get his to get a win back just because you know he just lost the U.S. title. He needs a win back. Uh, he pinned the right person with Ricochet. Um, and that was pretty much, oh, I did like when, uh, when the OC, when they were saying, uh, we're the best tag team in the world and he's phenomenal. That line killed me. 
I, I don't know why, but I just found so much comedy in that, and I couldn't stop laughing after that because he just went, um, I forgot who it was. He just said, oh, and he's phenomenal. That was funny. Yeah, I when they get a microphone, I almost always enjoy them. Same yeah. couldn't be said for Mysterio, Ricochet, and Carrillo. Ray is doing the best promo work of his career this year, but this wasn't it. Ricochet's promos are painfully scripted. And like you said, Carrillo was better, but better isn't good. So, ah, each man takes turns getting their beatings and Styles wins with the Super Styles Flash. I've seen this, I feel like I've seen this match a hundred times this year. I feel like I've seen this same pointless match 20 minutes, hundred times this year on WWE TV. Orton shows up in RKO Styles. Neat O Gang. Cool. Wow. I didn't... This show could have been so much. We didn't need the Rowan segment. We didn't need this match. We didn't really need the Viking Raiders segment. Um, that's probably about, about 40, 45 minutes. If this was a two-hour show, I would think, man, this is a pretty solid show. Pretty damn good show. The way I'll put it now is... It wasn't an offensive show, but that's really all I got. What do you? What? Yeah, I think yeah, it was just really the fact that there were certain things that they you just had no reason to care. I mean, there was at least three or four matches in there where you were like, okay, yeah, I'm seeing this guy that I haven't seen in a while. That's great, but there, I don't have a reason to care because this is the same variation of what I saw last week or what I saw the week before. You know, so I do feel like there was probably a little bit of a a new chunk of something that could have been added somewhere along there. But yeah, I do agree with the fact that if it would have been, you know, a shorter, sh but I mean, I feel like anybody can have that argument. The fact that everybody's, I don't think there's one person that thinks that raw should stay three hours. I think everybody would say raw should go back to two hours because I feel like if they did that and then they put the best of what we're seeing in those three hours, it would be like, more pleasant to like watch and stuff but um other than that like there were certain moments that i did like you know as i mentioned earlier but yeah i just think that there could have been there's some stuff that was like okay i'm not i'm not i'm not here for it every week ricochet's tagging with somebody every week the viking raiders are beating jobbers every week eric rowan's beating up somebody trying to look in his bag every andrade, week every thing. yeah every week andrade's beating some guy in a few minutes and, and that's fine Every week, our truth is losing and winning the tag or the, the title. Every week, Alistair Black is either looking for a fight or beating a jobber. Every single week, and Seth Rollins is cutting a promo every yeah. week. Every yeah. single week, my God! Make sure you guys leave a thumbs up. Make sure you guys subscribe to our channel. This weekend, it's the fucking fight of the century, guys. It's gonna happen. On the seventh, right? Yeah, I'm giving away a free code on my Twitter, guys. So go retweet it and follow me. Who do you think's gonna win this fight, Denise? Tito Ortiz and Alberto Del Rio. Where? I was talking about a whole different fight. Really? Yeah. What fight? I was, think I was thinking of the. <laughs> I was thinking of the um the freaking the boxing match with um the oh, no. rematch in Saudi. Josh I don't know. Joshua and and 
Uh, yeah, no, no, Joshua and Ruiz, no, not yet. No, the real. Because boxing as well. Yeah, so of course. So for a second, that's what I was thinking of because I just watched the first match. Believe it or not, because I'm not a boxing, I'm not a boxing fan. Okay, but I was just watching that match, so it's fresh in my head. And my aunt was putting over how she's gonna watch it at home at on the seventh and all this. Yeah. And we're talking about the Saudis. You name it, that's the match that was in my head. Well, so that, that's happening. That's happening ignore this me. week. That's happening this week, but it's the, the, the prelim undercard jobber fight for the real main event. Tito Ortiz versus Alberto Del Rio. Uh, I would be shocked, shocked if Alberto Del Rio made it out of the first round. He was nine and five in MMA and people keep bringing that up. Oh, well, he fought before. There are levels to this shit, guys. And Tito Ortiz is not the guy he used to be, but. But he is still active, and he is a former world champion MMA fighter who has not taken 10 years off to go bump every day of his life. Oh, my God. Ortiz is going to slaughter, slaughter him. Uh, I, I have word that there will be more pro wrestlers competing in combate very soon. Uh, sexy stars on that show, though, too. Interesting. Yeah. Devin Zine says, finally caught the live stream, sending my support. Thank you so much. Denise, tell the people where they can follow you on social media and what you got going on these days. Oh my gosh. I am killing myself on YouTube. I'm doing 13 days of Taylor Swift because her birthday is on December 3rd. So from December 1st to December 13th, I am doing 13 original videos on YouTube that premiere every morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and it is a lot of hard work. And other than that, I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. Um, but you guys can check me out on YouTube.com slash Denise Salcedo. And as soon as I'm done with 13 Days of Taylor, I will be posting a bunch of other random stuff. Nice. Make sure you guys check that out. Again, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, comment below your favorite, least favorite part of Raw. Uh, we are back Wednesday for the Wednesday Night War. We might be here for Listen Your Boy Jimmy is on vacation, and there might not be anything to talk about based on how the show was tonight. Till next time, guys. We're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.